right, it's time to talk some football. Wolf, can I can I talk you into talking some football? Okay. Yeah, I'm bored. Okay, good. We can talk it with our next guest, uh, Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Matt, thanks for the time, man. How's it going? So, well, I thought I was here to talk Royal Spring Training. Well, <laughs> come on. We got to talk football? <laughs> There's still time. Matt, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> So well, it's good to be back with you guys. Now I kind of want to talk Royal Spring Training, but we're going to hold off on that for a second. Um, so, Matt, we obviously we'll we'll start with the fourth pick for the uh, the Cardinals, and uh, and and you said something that that caught our uh, attention uh, earlier about how you know it's not necessarily unanimous across the NFL that Marvin Harrison Jr. is absolutely the top receiver in this draft. I guess just big picture, how good is the top of the receiving class in this year's draft? It's really good. Um, you know, we've seen great wide receivers. I've been doing this since 2010. We've seen great wide receivers in that time, right? I think what makes this year different is you have three guys at the top who are great, but they're very different. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., 6'4", 215, and it's like poetry in motion. Malik Neighbors, six foot, 200 pounds, and he's just a blur. You know, he's like, you know, he's, he's the roadrunner, basically. And then Roma Dunze, who's this physical you know, 215-pounder who just beats you up on 50-50 balls. So they're all great, but they're all different. And I think that's what makes it, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I had to report several NFL teams think Neighbors is the best receiver in this class because he fits their scheme better, right? And so I think that's going to be what it comes down to is what do you need? What are you looking for at the wide receiver position? All three of these guys can be a wide receiver one. It just depends on on what you're looking for at that exact position because – you know, they're, they're pretty scheme fluid, but if you need, you know, six foot four with a catch radius, you know, like a pterodactyl, it's Marvin Harrison. If you need yards after catch, that's Malik Neighbors. So, Maddie, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put you on a table, oh, captain, my captain. I'm going to have you literally say, who would you take first? What rank these three guys? Yeah. No, no, I would take Marvin Harrison Jr. first. I would. Um, and I, I have them graded. Harrison's a 97 for me. Neighbors is, or excuse me, Harrison's 98. Neighbors and a dude there 97. I give the slight nod to Neighbors as the number two because of the speed element. But I would take Harrison. I think, you know, he's elite at almost everything. There were some focus drops that came up this year. I think that was mostly him working in a new quarterback because it had never been an issue before. He, had a, he has a 4% career drop rate. This past year, it was like 10%. So I think that a lot of that was Kyle McCord, not, not Marvin Harrison Jr., but everything else he does at an elite level. He's, he's smooth as a route runner. He's elite tracking the ball. It's something called fast hands. When you watch a wide receiver play, it's that ability to, or late hands, excuse me. It's that ability to don't give away that you're catching the ball until you're catching the ball. Tyreek Hill does this really, really well. And that's something that Harrison does as well as any prospect I've ever seen is those late hands to make the play on the ball, to use his size, and he's a great athlete as well. I think a lot of times we talk about neighbors, and he's such a good athlete. Marvin Harrison Jr. bench presses 380 pounds and squats <laughs> over 500, and he's six foot four. So, like, he's a great athlete. And I expect if we see him work out of the combine, he's going to put on a show. We're talking to Matt Miller. Matt, I want to go back to something you said there at the beginning too, where you know these guys look, they could all fit probably on any team, but it might be a matter of personal preference for a team based on the scheme they specifically want to run. If you're the Cardinals, is it Marvin Harrison, or do you lean to somebody else? I think it is. I think it's still Marvin Harrison. 
And like, listen, we could go through it and make a case for each of these guys. And I think they would do really, really well there. When I look at Arizona specifically, and this is, you know, regardless of if Hollywood Brown is back, I still go toward Marvin Harrison because of, and what I'm about to say, people are going to get mad about it. It's not a slight. Kyler Murray needs someone who has a big catch radius. So does Lamar Jackson. You know, these guys who are running around making plays at the quarterback position, they don't always have time to set their feet and make the most accurate throw you've ever seen. So having someone who is six foot four just makes his job easier because you've got that guy who it's a big strike zone, if you think of it that way. Mm -hmm. So I would still lean toward Marvin Harrison Jr. He could be that number one receiver. I'm still, you know, a big Michael Wilson fan who they drafted in the third round last year. I think they would work really well together. You've still got Rondell Moore on a rookie contract, who's kind of your speedy slot guy. So, you know, this is a draft where I think you probably take two wide receivers. So you got Marvin at four, and then you come back and add, you know, a mid-round, mid-to-late-round guy who's maybe got some speed. And then I, I think you're rounding that group out really well. Matty, I think the last time we talked to you, I asked the same thing, but I know it changes from time to time. So I'll ask you this again. The deepest positions in this year's draft, what are they? Wide receiver is certainly deep. I have seven wide receivers in my top 32. Wow. I can't ever remember having that before. I have six offensive tackles in my top 32. So that's also okay. just crazy talk to have that. And then I have five corners. So, uh, and these are, you know, those are the positions you want to have a lot of guys that, you know, quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver, corner, most important positions of football if you add in pass rusher. So it is a great draft at blue chip positions. This is not a running back draft. This is not an offensive guard draft. It's not a safety draft. It's not a linebacker draft. That's okay. Those are, those are mid-round positions these days. So where teams need to build with those blue chip positions, that's where this draft is really strong. Well, there is Graham Barton out of Duke, though. I mean, there is, <laughs> that's my guy, right. Matt. I love that kid. Right. We'll take him at number four. I like him a lot as well. Uh, you know, I think he's a late first rounder. I, he might be a guard. He might be a center. Right. He might be a tackle. He could play, you know, he could play all five positions. And that versatility is a big reason why we all like him so much. We're talking to Matt Miller. Matt, I was I was reading your story where you had uh, where you had four receivers out of your sixteen prospects that had legitimate first round grades with Brian Thomas Jr. in there as well. If the Cardinals didn't go receiver at four, or they traded down or whatever. How confident are you that they could still get a really good receiver towards the end of the first round? Not super confident at twenty seven. Okay. I think, man, we might see we might see a run on these dudes. You know, three could go in the top six, and then Brian Thomas Jr. Probably someone, it's one of those teams like Philly or Houston or Dallas probably takes him in the early 20s. So you're looking at Keon Coleman, Florida State, Xavier Worthy or Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Good players, really good players. But they they don't project as that clear-cut number one like the top three guys do. So uh, that's a great question. It's an important part of building a board, especially for a team. Hey, if we go any other position at four, what does the wide receiver position look like at 27? And, you know, similarly, if we, okay, if we go receiver at four, you know, what, what are our secondary needs? Where do those, you know, stack up at 27? Or even as you get in deeper into the draft, trying to figure that out because, you know, corner is a big area of need, defensive tackle, edge, those are all pretty big areas of need. So you got you to gotta really be aware, especially with six picks in the top 90. I mean, like, you're going to walk away, you know, this can be a, a 2017 Saints type of draft where you completely change the franchise if you can hit on those early picks. So, Matty, you got the Bears, you got the Commanders, and you got the Patriots, the first three picks in this draft right here. 
do you think they all go quarterback? Is that where you're leaning? Yes. New England's the wild card, though. I mean, like, that's my hesitation. We have no idea what to expect with this team. You know, it's, they've been under Belichick for like 23 years, and they still don't really have a general manager. Not that they did when they had Bill, but it's like, okay, is Gerard Mayo calling the shots? Is Elliot Wolf calling the shots? So who's who's if I if I were the, the Arizona Cardinals and I want to call the New England Patriots to talk about a trade, who answers the phone? Yeah. Like, I don't even know who's answering the phone in New England. So they're the wild card, and they could take a quarterback, they could take a wide receiver, they could take a left tackle, or they could trade out. So New England is really the pivot point in this draft. Quarterback's going to go one, quarterback's going to go two. New England's the pivot point, and and from there, you know, you start to see more dominoes fall. But they could honestly go any direction and because it's a new regime it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what they'll do we're talking to matt miller matt when when the cardinals let's assume they go with a receiver at four and they get down in that 27 and then 35 range i know you mentioned some of their other needs if, if you're running the team what are you addressing at 27 corner i think that's where the value at corner is this year um a player i'm in love with ns rake straw from missouri he might not be there at 27 uh, and i I've, I've tweeted this before and i've, I've written about it before there are some names at corner that are going to go later than people think because of guys like Ennis Rickstraw and Quinion Mitchell, who are just absolute stars at the corner position. So I think 27, you can get a really good corner. And then you come back around, you know, with those round two picks at 35, you can get a pass rusher. You could get Graham Barton at 35. Uh, you know, that, that's probably his range. Or you're looking at a pass rusher like a Chop Robinson from Penn State. Uh, Chris Braswell from Alabama is kind of in that range as well. Uh, and then, you know, you just, you keep it going at 66. You're like, all right, maybe this is where we get one of the D tackles because there's a lot of round three D tackles in this class that are, that are pretty good value. So you can, you can really match up some of the needs really well with where all these picks are in the top hundred. Maddie, love talking to you, man. Thank you so much, buddy, for coming on. Appreciate your knowledge. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Look forward to doing it again soon.